CJ Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real, where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their heart. Today, my guest is Shelly F. Knight, and we titled her podcast, A Self-Kick Lifestyle. I want to say, first of all, welcome, Shelly. Hello there. Uh, could you explain to people why we titled it A Self-Kick Lifestyle? Yes. So, I'm a once upon a time nurse, but I left nursing just after my book came out, and that's Positive Changes, a self-kick book. Okay. So it's like self-help, but a little more oomphy. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Um, so you started as you started off as a nurse. How did you make the leap from nurse to where you are now? Could you kind of take us on that journey? Yeah. So it wasn't a sudden decision. But I started out in like 2004 and was working in acute medicine. So it's sort of like really fast paced, heart attacks, things like that. Um, and then one day I got a call on the wall to say that my stepdad had died. And oh. it was just like a real life changing event for me. So I did go back to work, but it was never really the same. And I was always that nurse that got the call on that ward. So I moved into hematology, oncology and end of life and was there for many, many years. But then lost was still part of my life. So I had fertility problems. So I took a career break, studied everything spiritual under the sun from you know, color therapy, Reiki, healing, clinical hypnotherapy, herbalism, everything I could possibly find. Did return to nursing, but I think because of all my losses and all the spiritual things I'd done, something in me had changed by that point. But I did carry on. But then I just had this niggle that I've always wanted a spiritual career. I'm always talking, always doodling and writing. So it just got to that point where I kind of took a leap of faith, started to write the book after a really bad event in my life, really. And then the book came out and I've just been running with it, really. So yeah, the self-kick lifestyle took in. <laughs> okay. Can you explain to people what the self-kick lifestyle is? So self-kick is like when you're just procrastinating, we always think we have so much time in life and it's always like, one day rather than something being day one and we don't want to make positive changes we settle for second best in relationships in jobs and things like that so self-kick is just kicking the procrastination out the way taking action following the dreams being firm with yourself really because self-help's quite gentle gentle isn't it and that's not really me you know i'm from the uk i speak really quickly <laughs> i am kind of come on um i just think I think it comes from my end of life nursing where I just learned what was really important in life and it is just to live the best life you can. And so I just get really unsettled of people are sort of, you know, waiting to do something they really want to do because, you know, they haven't got enough money in the bank or they went to be at this level in their career. I just believe we should do it now. So self kicks like a little kick up the bottom really. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of like you said you worked at the end of life section um, I'm sure the people you probably heard talk to them talked about the regrets of what they wish they had done had they done this or wish they had done that I'm sure that's probably what kicked part of it into gear for you yeah absolutely and I write about like the five life lessons I really observed time and time again in positive changes my first book and it is just like it's what are the so well they're, they're really simple which brings it kind of like with a sadness it's so it's like be happier so 
people play down their happiness. They settle with someone who their family want them to be with. They stay in a job that they don't really want to do. So it's allow yourself to be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, connection's really key. Like connection to yourself, really know yourself, but be part of your community, part of the world, shine your light. Mm-hmm. Speak your truth came up a lot, um, especially in... I find this really interesting, but especially in breast cancer ladies who suppressed their words and emotions for years on their chest, you know, they've held everything in. Um, and they'd always say, speak your truth. And it doesn't mean it is the truth, but it's your version of truth, which is really valid. We often bite our tongue, we say here in the UK, like bite my tongue, you know, choose your battles. But, you know, it doesn't do any good to keep your words in, whether you tell the person or yourself in a journal or a counsellor speak your truth um well, I mean, if you don't you're you're hurting yourself because if, if you hold it in for too long it actually will start to affect you physically yeah i would talk about dis-ease like disease but dis-ease where your body just starts to you know fester with these thoughts and these unsaid words because you resent them you don't do forgiveness so i believe in speaking your truth mm-hmm. probably too much <laughs> it's not a bad thing i mean you can speak your truth speak your truth in love yeah They said, uh, do more of what you love, which I thought, again, was one of these really simple things, but it is that procrastination, doing what your partner wants to do, thinking you'll do it later in life when the kids have left home. So yeah, do more of what you love. Well, and that one, you know, if you're doing something your partner will love, try to see if there's a way that you guys can enjoy it together. Um, When my husband and I first got together, he loved, you know, Formula One racing. Wasn't really my thing. So I thought, okay, but he loves it he's passionate about it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. And I did. And I picked a couple guys that I kind of followed up through. I had my number one and number two and followed them up through the races and it got exciting for me. So it's yeah. like kind of go out of your comfort zone, go out of your, um, this is what I like. And I'm going to stick with this sort of zone uh, photography. My husband wasn't really liking, you know, that wasn't his thing, but since he's been with me, I take pictures all the time and now he started doing it. And so it's just something, you know, when you're sharing something with your, your partner, your best friend, you know, your other half, whoever it may be, it's something that, you know, you can go forward with and go with together and you can actually find joy in something you initially didn't think you might like. Yeah, I love that. My husband always say that he's like really scientific, like where's the science in that? Where's the proof in that? And I said, like, I'm just going to go off do a meditation, polish my crystals, <laughs> you know, but he allows me to do it. And then as you say, he likes gaming and I'm like, really? But you do find that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, again, well, it goes back to the fine. point. Try to try, if he likes gaming, create a character for yourself and just spend a night doing it. You know, yeah. it brings them joy and it brings you joy for bringing them joy. And then you might finally kind of like it. It might be a little fun. Yeah. And I think you do. I think it helps when you've got children as well, because they sort of join in and they've got interests and they want to learn. So you do try a lot of things when you've got children. Oh, my husband's just my fifth child. <laughs> yeah, they, um, my husband has two twin boys. And so we don't have children at home. Our children are our dog and our cat. Ah. <laughs> and then we have, I'm a children's author as well. So we have Chief and Sarge, two stuffed animals that we literally take with us on trips and get pictures taken with them. And they, they do real life adventures online. And so those are technically our children. Um, we were also, I was a youth leader for 18 years. And so those are our kids as well. But like I said, if you find something, and my husband didn't initially like youth leading. He's like, 
you know, I kind of raised two. I really don't want to. <laughs> but when he got into it and he found, a, you know, the age that worked with him, he absolutely loved it. You know, so it's like find something that maybe your partner likes. That's kind of the idea behind being a partner. You can kind of enjoy something that they like that you may not have initially liked. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially like to have a successful relationship. I think you always need to grow. Otherwise, you're just going to outgrow each other. So, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And you're just going to keep growing further and further apart until yeah. you let mutual in there. Yeah. So what was number, that was number three or four? That, that was four. Yeah, so five is um, live your life, which sounds really rhetorical. And I'm not saying to live your life as in like, you're not dead. <laughs> I'm saying live your life as in your version. And they're all quite similar, I found, but they do stand alone. And it's kind of, especially with generations where people would inherit family businesses or marry the person that they got pregnant or following on that career that their family always did. You're not really living your life. And I, that is kind of part of life. Like we're born into a name that we didn't choose, into a religion, into, you know, all different things. But at some point, I think there comes a niggle where you think, what is it I want? You start to search. And it is to live that life that you really want. Like me, maybe, like when I left my nursing. Yes, my family said, like, when are you are going to get another proper job? When I said, I'm an author. <laughs> hey, that is <laughs> You mean they say that that's lovely? You know, you might do that on a Wednesday or something, Shelley. But um, they used to say that like, when you get a proper job again. But I'm not. I'm living my life, and my life always had that niggle that I wanted a spiritual career. I wanted to help people, but in a different way. You know, from bed bars and drug rounds and shift patterns. <laughs> yeah, so live your life. Well, and you know, being an author myself, you know, I get it. it people are like, well, you know, when I retire, I might be an author. I'm sorry, but. Anybody who's an author and who has a full-time job, you know, all hail to them. I do not know how they do it because it is my job and it is my yeah. full-time job. I'm an author, blogger, and a podcaster. And I cannot imagine with all the advertising that you have to do on your own and marketing and social media and actual writing and working and editing and publishing and all of that stuff. That is a job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I kind of cringe and be like, well, when I retire, I might write a book too, or my other favorite is when they come up to you and like, well, I have a story that you should write. No, if you, <laughs> you need to write it. That's crazy. Here's my story. Could you tell it? It's like, that's not really how it works. Is it? No, that's not authentic. No, I mean, if you have like a story idea and you give it to 10 different authors, I promise you, you will have 10 different stories. Yeah. So yeah. I just spin it. So what's number five? That was number five. So oh, okay. be happy, yeah, be happier, the sense of connection, speak your truth, um, do more of what you love, and then live your life. Yeah, I mean, they sound simple and they sound yeah. no-brainers, but honestly, if you take all five of those to heart, you will actually see a change in your life because people get going into this grind where they're like, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to do this or you know, if they've got, like you said, you have five children, you know, you can get lost in the chaos of the kids yeah. and, you know, your daily work and they're not living a life. It's more like they're working to live instead of living. To, they're living to work instead of working to live. Yeah. I've got four children. I just count my husband as my fifth. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> he's counted in the equation just because he's quite childlike. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. So, You've taken us a little bit on your journey. Um, what exactly was the turning point? You said that it was when your stepfather passed? 
So yeah, when my stepdad died and I was working in acute medicine, that was the first curveball. And I think this is my belief, please don't take it on if it doesn't resonate with you, but I believe a lot of things in my life are predestined. I think like loss was probably one of them, which is why I work so much with grief now. But yeah, my beautiful stepdad died. He's called Badger. We used to call him Badger because he had uh, dark hair with a white streak down the middle. Oh, so, yeah, so we call him Badger. It's nicer than saying skunk, let's be honest. So he died and that was my first turning point and I tried to carry on. But then I had huge fertility problems and people don't think you do. Everyone thinks they know your story because you like have four children. But, you know, I'd like seven or 11 quite happily, but it just wasn't meant to be. So it was during my last pregnancy uh, that it was all just got really horrible, hugest psychological journey I ever went through. The, there was a real shift in me and I think it changed me. I think I'm a better person now than I was then. I wasn't hideous, <laughs> but I think now I'm a lot more confident in myself, my intuition, I trust myself. But yeah, I was pregnant and I was 40, which is considered old here in the UK. Um, don't know about with you, but yeah, to me, you know, over here, that, that, I'm old. Um, so for a pregnancy, sure, yeah. Yeah, so I was considered like um, an old lady. <laughs> and I was pregnant. We'd had seven miscarriages that we know of. Oh my goodness, bless your hearts. Yeah, and so I was pregnant with what turned out to be my last pregnancy. I won't give too many details in case anyone's queasy, but yes, things weren't going very well. It was a multiple pregnancy. Got to the 20-week scan and there was one child left and they just said, they're never going to make it. You need to terminate. You're going to you know, miscarry by 28 weeks. But I'm quite spiritual. I think from like my stepdad dying, all the things I studied in my career break. And I just had this real knowing intuition that I had another child to come. And I'm quite feisty and I don't really back down when I think I'm right. <laughs> that's okay. A little feistiness. Yeah. I mean, that's coming from a Texan. <laughs> you know, when you think, well, it took me 40 years to like myself, so I'm just going to run with it, really. So, yeah, I was pregnant. They said she wasn't going to make it. I thought she was. And I just threw everything spiritual, everything I could possibly try, I tried. So I did sort of like Reiki, laughter yoga, journaling, affirmations anything and I just tried it all I don't know if I hadn't have done if we wouldn't have our very lively six-year-old now but I like to think it was my turning point I was meant to embrace spirituality teach others about spirituality so from that I realized I mean I don't know if you say it over there but we say it's a semicolon moment so semicolons like do I end my story here or do I find the strength to carry on so my daisy journey, as I call it, my daisy pregnancy was my semicolon point. Do I stop here because it's overwhelming or do I carry on? So I carried on, but it wasn't easy. And it's because of that, I wanted other people to know that you've got this, we can do it. So I wrote Positive Changes, a self-kick book, because it's not, oh, gentle, gentle, have a try. It's like, days are precious. We really need to do this. So hence the self-kick. So in there... There's not one way. I'll say in one chapter, slow down, you're missing life. Another one, speed up, take action. There's my warped humor in there. It's all in there. <laughs> but I just wanted to try and tell people when they're stuck, you know, after loss, whether it's the loss of a pregnancy, a loved one, confidence, whatever it is, we need to find those inner tools to carry on. 
So that's how the book came about. It does. It sounds really miserable now. I've said it aloud, doesn't it? <laughs> no, actually, no, it doesn't. Um, it's not miserable. It's, it's actually humorous. Yeah. Is when that... people are in those situations, I always turn to humor. I used to be a catastrophe adjuster. And so we'd walk up to situations where everyone just like lost everything. And you got to bring humor into it to lighten it up a little bit so they can actually see the light. Yeah. So when people are in those situations, you know, a little humor helps. Yeah. They don't know where to go and which way to turn. So your book kind of be like a life preserver for them. Like, okay, yeah. got this. Now what do I do? Yeah. And they're all bite-sized chapters because I'm a real people watcher. And I realize that everyone's just too busy and that we say we haven't got the time. So everything's like a bite-sized chapter, like a page per chapter. And I say, it's just a mishmash. There's loads of tools in there. I get you to write your body because I didn't like my body when it was miscarrying. I get you to write your own eulogy because, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Are you on that path that's getting you to be how you want to be remembered? I get you to write to bullies and it's all in there. <laughs> all the tools I used, whether they worked for me or not, are in there to try and encourage other people to move on at that semicolon point. Now, if somebody wants to find you, how would they find you? So I'm Shelley F. Knight. So you've got my website, ShellyFKnight.com. I'm on Facebook. Can you please spell that to make sure people are spelling your name right? Yes, because people do miss out the E. <laughs> so it's Shelley's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-F-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. So ShellyFKnight.com. And, if they and get I, them, what all are they going to find? So over there, you've got links to the book. You've got articles I've written for magazines. You've got my podcast series. You've got links to other social media. You can subscribe to my newsletter, which I'm really kind of encouraging people to do because I've got my next book coming out next year. So it's just to keep people in the loop about what's happening there. So and what's your think, next book going to be about? About grief. So it's called Good Grief. It's not as humorous as the first one, but yeah, it's called Good Grief and it's out with O Books in 2021. And oh, that nice. just draws, yeah, thank you. So it, it just draws on my 30 years in healthcare and like 10 years of spirituality and just my observations of life lessons, grief, loss in life, and just all the tools, more spiritual than the ones in my first book, but all the spiritual tools to help you with your grief journey, whether that's, you know, loved ones died or you've just lost your confidence or your mojo whatever you've lost it's just to try and get you to carry on so it's not just people who have had like profound losses sometimes it's people who just don't know which direction to turn yeah i call it mini deaths so like you know you get grief when you lose anything with which you had an emotional connection and that can even be like if you lose your job which you loved a relationship that you loved you know when you lose something it just who you are your life path and things like that so yeah it's to do with death and mini deaths mm -hmm. very yeah. cool okay we have just a few minutes left is there anything you'd like to add no so you can find me over on facebook and instagram i've just got onto youtube way out of my comfort zone so i have to practice what you preach in my first book i'm like get out of your comfort zone that's where the magic is well, and you're, say, right. you're gonna be on youtube with this one too so oh <laughs> but i just the is on. i just hide do you know what i mean so sort of i can hide behind a monitor and write a book i can hide behind a mic and do my podcast and then i thought oh you know get authentic you know if it helps someone I'll get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, but, when yeah. Um, I first started doing book shows, my sister and I are both authors, so we usually double team. 
okay. she would go out and meet people and bring them back to the table. And I'd have the table to hide behind. <laughs> and then, um, with, of course, podcasting, you are hiding behind it, but you still got the camera in front of you. You're still somewhat in control. But the way I do the journey is real is, again, we're real. So how it's taped is how it's put on there. So if I make a mistake or I stumble in the beginning, like I did this one, then it's staying in there because that's real. Yeah. Um, when, but now, like now I'm the one that jumps on the other side of the table. Kind of oh, like, wow. you push yourself out of your comfort zone enough, it's going to start to become normal. Like I am so painfully shy when you first get to meet me. I'm a people watcher too. Yeah. And so I kind of watch about 20 or so minutes to try to figure out, hmm, okay, what can they handle joking wise? What can they not handle joking wise? Because of, you know, my past growing up, army brat, EMT, you know, different, working a lot of like male type jobs, um, catastrophe adjuster. And now author, it's like, I can handle a lot of twisted sense of humor, but not everybody can handle that. So I kind of yeah. watch will say okay what can they handle what can they not handle? <laughs> um, but now I had to push myself out of that and being an author because you got to come around that table yeah and you kind of kind of push yourself out from there and when you do it it becomes a lot easier as you go yes it's all very new to me I just I didn't record my podcast at all but now I'm going to start to do how-to videos and it's just like looking at yourself I'm, a, I'm an only child so I'm quite used to my own company but even I was just like <laughs> oh YouTube you're cruel <laughs> it's out there and you know you just kind of like um, I interviewed another gentleman right before actually yours and his is kind of like helping people get out of their comfort zones and we were talking about that and I said you know going out of your comfort zone is never an easy thing I have technically 13 books out, but there's only 12 that I talk about because oh, that, wow. well, that first one that I put out there was kind of to test the waters and see what it was like out in the publishing world and the author world and make all my state mistakes with it. I'm rewriting that one and that one's currently with the editor. So it's going to be republished. And so it's like when I read that book after publishing all the other ones, I'm like, Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> But that's terrible moment. It's like you had to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I'm rewriting it because that story still needs to be told. But I had to do it from somewhere. Yeah. Start before you feel ready. And I I say about that to other people, I'm like, start before you feel ready. And like, Shelly, you need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Shelly, you've been a real joy to talk to today and I really appreciate okay. your insight. And, and the five actually does seem fairly simple. But yeah. putting it into practice is kind of a different thing. So I challenge you to get her book and find out what those five steps are and to actually implement them. Jump in with both feet. Need a self-kick? She's got it for you. <laughs> you can find her again on ShellyFKnight.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-F-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. Shelly, thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And thank you for watching The Journey is Real, where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their heart. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.